This morning's scripture passage is from the book of Romans, two sections, chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, and chapter 6, verse 23. I'll be reading from the New International Version. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The busy New York City street was bustling with activity. It was crowded with bodegos, bistros, uh, coffee shops, all kinds. Signs were everywhere. Cappuccino, frappuccino, lattes. And the signs were done so professionally. They were beautiful. But the coffee shop that was the busiest was the one that had a simple sign that read, fresh coffee, enter here. Because you see, on that busy New York City street, there were so many signs, there were so many shops, that it was sometimes confusing for people to know how to get into a particular building or location. But this small shop had the wisdom to say, enter here so people could experience the taste of their product and enjoy it. You know, sometimes I think we make church too complicated. We make the Christian faith too complicated. True, we have to talk about the Christian journey, the struggles, the intricacies, the details of the Christian life, the importance of church. But sometimes in all of that, we forget to tell people enter here. This is how you come into the faith. This is how you become a Christian. Enter here. I think that's what the Apostle Paul is doing in these two Bible passages I read to you just a moment ago. He's saying, here it is. Here's the way you come into Jesus in a life-giving relationship with him. Now, one of the things that Paul makes clear is to come into the faith, we have to understand sin. Sin isn't really ever a popular topic, but sin is often misunderstood. It, it's not just uh, doing something bad or saying a naughty word once in a while. Sin is, first of all, a condition of our heart. It's a, it, it's a posture against God. It's, a, it's a, a stand that we take where we put self first and we don't make room for God and others in our lives. Sin, the Apostle Paul said, is falling short of the glory of God. Verse 23 of chapter 3. All have sinned and fall short. It's like an arrow being aimed at a bullseye. And it's wonderful when that arrow hits the bullseye, but it's not so great when it falls short. And so Paul is saying that sin is not only when we do something wrong, sin is when we intend to do right, but it's just not in us. There's not enough oomph, there's not enough energy, there's not the right focus, and even when we intend to, 
we miss the mark. Also embedded in this very important verse is a hint, the secret of our destiny and God's purpose for our existence on earth. For Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That's our destiny. That's our purpose. That's why God made us, that we might share in His glory, in the splendor of life, the fullness of life, the abundant life, that we might not only survive but thrive. And you see, when we miss that mark and we miss God's glory, there's a gnawing emptiness in our hearts. There's this this hollow place in our lives and we know something is wrong. We know something is off. The tragedy is that when we experience that gnawing hunger, we sometimes try to fill it and meet that hunger with all the things that are wrong. Somebody said one time that sin is trying to get out of life what God did not put there. Something to think about. That our frantic attempt to get out of life what God did not put there leaves us even more empty. So Paul says that in the midst of that, God has done something wonderful. And the Apostle Paul makes clear in this passage of Scripture that the direction of God's rescue is from God to us, from there down to us, not the other way around. The rescue that God offers, the gospel is not about us reaching to God, but God's reach down and his hold on us. In fact, Paul uses the dramatic language of redemption. Now that may be lost in our current culture, but he was basically saying that God has come down in Jesus Christ and he has leveraged us out of slavery. He has purchased our freedom. That's a powerful image where God does all the work. We're the ones who receive it and experience it, but God does the rescuing. We are enslaved to sin. Sin is always very enslaving. We're enslaved by our egos. We like to have our own way. We like to have people see things our way. We're enslaved by our cultural lens, the way we uh, experience other races and other people, our feelings of superiority. Uh, We're enslaved by culture's approach to violence as opposed to the way of Jesus, the way of love and service. We're enslaved by our habits. Jesus Christ liberates us from that slavery. And the language that Paul is using, uh, he's making very clear that something objective and real happens when we come into the faith. Uh, Trusting in Jesus Christ is not just a mental exercise where we say in our mind, I now follow Jesus, I'm sorry for my wrongs. It's really a heart commitment. It's really a life change that the Bible calls repentance that shows itself in behavior. In Christ, we are set free. But here's the ironic part. Even though we hunger for the work of God in our lives, 
we still want to negotiate it as if we're the ones doing the work and we're leaving God out. We want God's work in our lives, but we want it apart from God. Why is that? So we can have the credit, so we can say we didn't have to lean on anybody else, so we can uh, perpetuate the myth that we're in charge and we're in control. We all like to think of self-salvation, of our good works. And you hear yourself or others say things like, well, I'm as good as the next person, or I'm a moral person, I do good, I'm loving and kind, I pay my taxes, uh, I do things in the community, I'm respected. All of those things may be true, but salvation is not a work product. It's what God has done for us. In fact, Paul says in chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, we work for a wage, but we receive a gift. The wage we receive for living in sin is death, separation from God. But the gift that God offers freely is eternal life. Think about the gifts that you've received in your lifetime. Think about a birthday party, maybe a very special birthday that you've had. Uh, loved ones and friends came. Important gifts and meaningful gifts were given to you. You opened them. You thrilled at people's thoughtfulness. You smiled and laughed and thanked and, and expressed appreciation. And then when the party's over and all of the wrapping paper's been put aside, you stand up, you get out your wallet, and you go to each person and say, I really appreciate your gift. How much was it? Let me pay you for it, including tax. And they say, wait, what? It's a gift. You don't pay for a gift. It's yours. It's free because I love you. And when you think about God's gift of his son, Jesus Christ, that forgiveness, that liberation, that purpose, that filling full with meaning, you realize a gift is a gift. There's only one of two things you can do with a gift. You can either accept it or you can reject it. The New England church was bustling with activity on this particular Sunday morning. It was a church in a very affluent area of Massachusetts, a church that was accustomed to hearing very thoughtful, provocative sermons from its pastor. And on this Sunday morning, the music director was preparing uh, to lead worship. She was not a member of the church. She was employed by the church because she was very gifted and was completing her PhD in music at a local university. That Sunday morning, as she sat and listened to the sermon, something happened in her heart. The pastor's message was very simple. It was about how to become a Christian how to step into the faith, enter here, the simple experience of receiving Christ and becoming a follower. 
And she listened that morning and was amazed to hear not only that Christ had died for her, but why Christ died for her. After the service, she went up to the pastor and she said to him, don't ever stop telling it. And he said, excuse me? And she said, don't ever stop telling that simple message. She said, I've been to church all my life. I've been in church choirs. I've directed church choirs. But this morning I heard and realized that God invites me to a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Don't ever stop telling the story. And so this morning, let's be sure we never stop telling the simple, powerful story that God created us for glorious things, that our sin has marred that intention, but that Christ has come for us and rescued us. And when we turn away from a posture of rejection and we by faith invite Jesus Christ into our lives, we commit to follow him and life begins to change. God bless you on your spiritual journey. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Direct our lives to respond to the gospel call with faithfulness. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Thank you so much for being a part of worship this morning. It's my prayer that you will have a wonderful day and that God will bless you richly. Take care.